But it is ironic that I need a lot of traction to get pre-seed investing. That's kind of the whole point of pre-seed investing. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Robin Copernicus. And on today's show, we have a brilliant, visionary, resilient founder who's an autodidact, pretty much built his entire company by himself. He's a solo founder. He is the CEO of Vibes Video Dating. Welcome to the show, Brett Cleary. Thanks for having me. Wow, so much praise. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. I love the platform you're building and the message you're trying to get out. Brett, yeah, I'm super excited to have you on the show because we actually just had a conversation about getting into a flow state when we're building these businesses. And you're also an autodidact for people that aren't really aware of your story and what you're building. Walk me through your background and how you got to where you are. Yeah, so I got a degree in chemical engineering about four years ago, graduated and started learning software on the side. I went through the entire MIT undergraduate curriculum, which is just on their website. Um, you can find all the books, courses, etc. So I went through that. So basically did that 40 hours a week while I was working a 40 hour a week job for three years. Went through all those topics, worked some side projects, worked some software projects while I was working a full-time job as well. Eventually decided to make the full switch from chemical engineering to software um, about a year ago, almost exactly. So I quit my job, had nothing lined, was going to work on some software projects, finished up a couple textbooks, put together some ideas and potentially start applying to some jobs. I had a, my best friend growing up actually lived in Silicon Valley and he was looking for a roommate. So I moved from Huntsville, Alabama, all the way to Silicon Valley a year ago, and it was a great decision. But yeah, so about four months into that, that stage, I had tested out a lot of different areas of software, trying to find my specialty. And eventually around, I guess, December, about eight months ago, I started putting together some ideas. I've always been into entrepreneurship. Like I've always been really into entrepreneurship. In college, I read like close to 100 business books while I was taking class. So yeah, I've always been trying to put together ideas and put them together as well. And with chemical engineering, it's hard because everything's physical. You need a lot of funding, a lot of time to bring it to market. And a lot of the ideas have already been, all the low-hanging fruits been kind of optimized. But anyway, so about eight months ago, I decided to start applying, start putting together some ideas, considering if I wanted to really just take a few months and try to be a solo founder of something. And I put together, I don't know, close to 50 ideas and went through, combed through them. And the one that kind of won out was this idea of a video first dating app, which really combined a couple high level trends that I was seeing with COVID, people in isolation wanting to connect more. There was a trend and uptick in video first and just like using video more to connect with people. And also social media as a whole is always moving towards video and people are much more comfortable being on video now with Zoom and whatnot. And so I spent a few months putting together, learning kind of full stack web development. That was another like one of the main goals of this project as well. And accomplished that goal and then decided to take a few more months to really get it to MVP stage, launch it and see what the user feedback was. I launched the product. It was pretty bad from MVP. It was about five and a half months afterwards, but I had built a lot of the infrastructure very well. And so I was able to completely reimagine the product in a couple weeks from feedback from users. And then since then, I went the route of testing out investor funding, working on the marketing and yeah, the feedback with from investors is that the product was great, the the pitch deck was great, but it was it's a really crowded market. I knew that going into it. Um, 
And so with customer acquisition costs high and not having crazy amounts of traction, I couldn't get investor funding. And so now I'm doing the marketing on the side while um, pursuing some other ideas and considering joining like an early stage startup as well. And so that's where I am right now. Yeah, happy to answer any questions about any of that. Yeah, in, in, in terms of searching for this funding, what were you hoping that the funding will do for you? Yeah, so there was probably like three main reasons I was looking for investor funding. One is that building solo, so being a solo founder is very difficult. I, I definitely tried to bring other co-founders on board, but uh, my network's not very thick in that in that area. Yeah, building solo is just, it's really draining mentally and emotionally. And so I wanted to be able to bring other people on board so that I could accelerate that and reduce my risk a bit. And just by being able to have other people so I could build faster and yeah, just get to testing the hypothesis faster. And so that was probably one reason. Another one is year living in Silicon Valley takes its toll financially. And so if I could, you know, make ends meet just by the bare minimum, then that would be a pretty big uh, psychological relief for me. And then number three was I wanted to get investor feedback. I wanted to see how investors would analyze this idea, like from their perspective, from just like a pure business perspective. And I actually did get a lot of really great feedback. I didn't get investor funding for those reasons I mentioned, but I got, I did get a lot of really good feedback on kind of the dating app market as a whole, and also just some kind of broad strategic points that they would just would give out during interviews or during rejection emails. That was also pretty helpful. But it is ironic that I need a lot of traction to get pre-seed investing. That's kind of the whole point of pre-seed investing. And so if I do get, if I end up getting traction, then it would either be seed funding or later that I would be raising at if I even decided to raise. Because if I had traction, then obviously the next step would be let's put in a revenue model and just see if I can make enough money and continue bootstrapping, um, which is what this podcast is, the message is trying to talk about, right? Definitely. So the premise of this podcast is we are all about traction first. And if you listen to the trailer episode, then it's that question, right? If you need funding to get traction, now you need traction to get funding. But it's hold on, like, what do you need the funding for if you already have this traction? So it for the founders that I've actually helped, they've spent a lot of money working on product development and for example, Tess, she has a physical product that she spent a lot of money just building this product where she didn't really focus too much on the customer acquisition side because the the belief, and it's like an antiquated belief, where people will believe that you need a product to start getting this traction. When she came into the program, she started getting traction within the first week, and she realized that spending that much money into product development and doing all those things that Jesse did was almost, I wouldn't say it was a waste of time, but it was something that she could have held off on because now instead of focusing on product, she's actually building this community. And then she sees as she grows this community, it doesn't even become about the product anymore. It actually just becomes about the community and the people. And even if your product fails, you can still sell other products and services. It doesn't even have to be your products and services yet. So this is like the whole move. And it sounds like you've been speaking to a lot of venture capitalists and investors. And one of the things that now that they're saying is you have to have traction. So it's like a very common kind of theme that a lot of founders are feeling. You did get a little bit of traction on your app, however, at the very beginning. You did have some beta testers. How did you get your initial beta testers onto your app? 
Yeah, I got a good number of beta testers just through friends, family, friends of friends, just basically through that network. But piggybacking on your point, that is something that I wasn't very good at initially, getting that testing hypothesis just as quickly as possible with an email list or something like that, or it could be like a quick little Squarespace website. And so that's something that was probably a mistake on my point. I guess probably to the counterpoint to that would be that my probably purpose was also to to build something so that I would, would have the skill set of an early stage founders, full stack development, software engineer. And I still developed that skill set. But yeah, moving forward, I already have the skill set. So I think the email list and just finding ways you can really quickly test the hypothesis really early is like extremely valuable. And yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. Yeah, and, and the thing is, this is possible now, right? Because you couldn't do this before. We have the technology to be able to actually test product market fit before we even build out a product. Because getting in front of the customer, it's never been easier in terms of how it used to be in the past. In terms of vibes, where do you see vibes 12 months from now? Yeah, so right now I'm iterating on the marketing channels. Um, there's a lot that are really crowded, like paid ads on TikTok. There's a million dating apps. And so it's really hard to stand out on those types of channels. There's like a lot of ideas I'm throwing around. But yeah, so I'm going to try to, yeah, it, it would have been great if I had tested the hypothesis maybe eight months ago through something like that. But I already have a product now. And I, I don't know, it seems, I'm not sure if a dating app user would pre-order for a dating app. Maybe they're not single when it comes out. So that, that might be a little bit weird for this market. But I already have the, the app, like the product. So yeah, right now, in the next 12 months, I'm going to really do my best to put it in front of as, as many people as possible and test hypothesis. More. And I've been moving in that direction. And so if it takes off, then I'll probably stop what I'm doing and move on to it full time. And like I said earlier, if I have traction, I'll just put in a revenue model. It's pretty simple to do for an app. And if I can continue bootstrapping through that way, then that's a method I would take. And then, yeah, I go from there. But yeah, if there was a significant amount of subtraction, I would go back to it full time and continue with the bootstrapping route with like investor funding being like maybe a plan B if it seems necessary for this idea. Okay. I, I actually get the idea that you're, you like having full control over whatever you're doing. So in terms of that, I see a little bit of a conflict because you want to have full control over everything you're doing, but at the same time, you also see this need where you need to save your time and try to bring in other people to help you out with your vision. How are you actually managing that aspect in terms of trying to keep full control of your vision and then actually bringing in other people? Yeah, so right now I have full control. Yeah, I think that bringing in other people can help reduce ideas. It can actually be really beneficial let's say that it's a time sensitive idea and there's network effects and if you're first to market then you're gonna be first in mind of the the user then i think certain ideas maybe that would benefit from growing faster and having more people on board but but yeah i think it's also beneficial to like work with other people and reduce risk and accelerate development i think also solo founding is it's really difficult just like emotionally financially, psychologically. 
And so I think having co-founders also like helps dramatically and, and co-founders is probably better than getting investor funding because you aren't on that, that like time clock of, oh, this investor needs this 40% IRR and he invested eight months ago. Like we have to meet these revenue targets, which might force you to take outsized risk or grow too quickly. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I would say that solo founding I've found is very difficult. And so that would be my motivation for trying to bring other people on board. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like just having other people to bounce your ideas off of and just having more of you to try to get more stuff done sounds like it would be beneficial. What have you done right now in terms of trying to find other people? Yeah. So moving from doing chemical engineering in Alabama versus, you know, early stage startup in Silicon Valley, making that move, I don't have the network that maybe a lot of people would have that have been in this environment for a longer time. And if you're trying to get a co-founder, you need to have someone that you've worked with before that you really trust and there's that mutual respect. And so I have a few friends that are in that category. And so I tried to bring them on board. But yeah, moving forward for future ideas, I'm really heavily considering joining an early stage startup as maybe like a, as a great avenue for building my skill set and then also connecting with other potential co-founders because there was like like a Y Combinator talk like a while ago and they were and they made some points that I agreed with about solo founding just if you're going to solo found something you should seriously consider maybe even postponing it until you have a co-founder to work on it because it's so difficult in terms of just yeah just like risk and emotionally financially everything like that and so moving forward I'm going to try to connect with more people at this stage and I've been yeah I've been talking to a lot of people at like really early C like series B and I think just like growing that network is would be really beneficial for me and finding other co-founders and building that network which is I guess what you asked about right yeah. yeah. So if when you're bringing these co-founders, you, you mentioned that you listened to this like Y Combinator talk where they mentioned the importance of bringing in co-founders. I was actually wondering if I can share my experience working with co-founders yeah. and yeah, what I've seen. Great. Yeah. So a lot of founders, especially when you're a visionary and you're trying to bring co-founders on, what ends up happening is visionaries will bring on people that will end up being deadweight. Because it'll be people that will be gung-ho at the very beginning. And what the visionary will find is that these other co-founders, they can't keep up. Because they're not as motivated as the visionary. And when they're not as motivated as visionary, the visionary just ends up being frustrated because there's all this dead weight. And they feel, okay, now I'm doing 100% of the work, but maybe only for 70% of the equity and it just becomes a drag. So in terms of getting co-founders, I feel like being a solo founder is probably a much better route, especially for people. And honestly, like if I could say like people that are like natural born entrepreneurs as, your, as yourself, because everything that you're describing, I don't know if folks that are listening in, if they realize this entire story that you've actually shared happened within a one year span of time. Like you've actually built out this MVP. You went out and started going talking to investors. You went out, moved to Silicon Valley in a very short period of time. So as fast as you move, finding other co-founders to move as fast as you do, it's really difficult. So this is the, the thing that I found. There are two ways that I've learned that are around this. So the two ways, the first way is you bring on a co-founder for hire. So this is like where you're actually paying the co-founder some money and they're an employee. So that way you can fire them easily. They don't have any weight 
on the company. They're not diluting any of your shares. This is a much easier way to work with these founders. The other way, and you can actually do a hybrid model of, of both of these things, but the other way is also to offer phantom equity. So instead of offering equity where they're taking a piece of the company, you offer them phantom equity, which is, have you, uh, do you know anything about phantom equity? No, could you clarify that term? Yeah, so for phantom equity, what you're doing is you're offering a piece of the company, but they don't get it until there's an exit event. So if there isn't an exit event, which means if the founder left the company before they actually made any kind of valuable contribution, then they don't get equity because they're not there. And you can easily like get rid of people that you don't need to or bring in people that are actually good. And then with this phantom equity, when you have an exit event, this could be an acquisition or it could be a VC coming in with your seed founding. That's when they can actually, they have the option to actually take that equity, if that makes sense. But the benefits yeah. of this is you get to hold on to your control, your vision. You can easily maneuver. You can let people go. It's like a prenup for a business. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a great idea. And it's, it, yeah, I haven't quite delved too much into that because I haven't had that experience. Yeah. We were talking about that with some of the people that I was thinking about bringing on board. It's just stair-stepping and like that one-year cliff where like, you don't get anything without a year and like it stair-steps up. But the phantom equity thing, that also is like something a great variant of that but yeah I, I, yeah there's definitely a lot of risk involved with bringing on a co-founder I, I, those yeah that resonates with me yeah brett right now in terms of building your company you have this vision but at the same time you're also floating around this idea where maybe you should go get a job walk me through your thought process in terms of putting your vibes dating app on pause what does that mean would it actually be on pause or how would you actually go about doing that right now technically the mvp is built out and so i just need to test traction at this point mostly and so i feel like that isn't a full-time endeavor for me and i want to be building something else technically while i'm doing that and also i see the need for you listed a lot of the problems with co-founders but at least having a network with people maybe i've worked with that i could maybe do the contract for hire thing or the co-founder hire for hire thing. And just building out that network and then building out that skill set, I think is pretty valuable. I and mean, also it diversifies, it diversifies my risk a little bit as well. But yeah, as to date, I haven't seen significant amounts of traction with Vibes yet. And I think, yeah, for me going full-time on that, it's a pretty high risk and no immediate kind of cash flow to keep everything else moving forward. But Vibes is gonna continue running all the servers are up everything's on the app store it's great but yeah i'm just going to try to test that idea while also building something else technically and whether that, whether or not that's with a company or just my own kind of like visionary product is up in the air at this point if that answered your question yeah absolutely what's your favorite thing about what you've built so far i think it's a great product i think it really accelerates the whole dating app experience like it's there's most dating app users wait like over a month before even seeing the person or talking to them. And a lot of times it's not what they expect from just texting. And so if you have a five minute video date just immediately after you both mutually like each other, then I just think that excel, I think there's probably 10% of people that get through that level of filter. And then it's probably 10x faster to go on like a physical, like actual date with somebody after that. So I, I think that's a really big benefit and reduces a ton of time that people waste on these dating apps. And there's nothing like it on the market that has, user, <laughs> has users right now. And so that's my 
I would say that's probably what I'm proudest about kind of product wise with it. But I'm also really proud of the skill set I've built doing this and just proving that I can do it as well. Yeah, that's definitely gratifying. Once you can build something, put it out there and it's just done. Because、yeah. a lot of people can't. A lot of people don't have the skill set for sure. Where can more people learn about you and learn about Vibes? VibesVideoDating.com. You can go on there. It talks about how the app works. It has links to Android, Apple. It has links to a product walkthrough on YouTube. For me, you can DM me on Twitter or find me on LinkedIn. I forget what my Twitter is. I think it's Brett underscore Cleary. Yeah, Brett underscore Cleary. You can DM me there if you are interested in reaching out for any of these reasons. Startup ideas or whatever. And yeah, I guess those are my handles. My plug. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your experience. If they're based on what you've learned in this short period of time where you've built out your MVP, you've talked to investors, if there are other founders in your shoes, and then I just want to leave you with the last word what is something that you wish you would have that you know now? Yeah, and this is something I'm directly acting on with future kind of ideas that I'm toying around with. And it correlates exactly to the whole purpose of this podcast testing your ideas as early as possible with the most limited solution possible is great. That's the best entrepreneurs I see do that very well. And they have, and that requires like a selling skill set that I didn't have initially. And that I'm building as well. And so, like, building like, an email list, like, that's so easy to do as opposed to like, building an entire dating app that takes six months to launch. And so, if you can, maybe you have 10 ideas and you just make Squarespace websites with, you know, funnels to email signups, and you can pick the one that has the most traction and actually build it out. That's hugely beneficial to the whole process. And yeah, that's something that I'm directly acting on moving forward. But yeah, that'd be like my one piece of advice, I guess. Awesome. It, Sounds yeah, amazing. Test, test quickly. <laughs> did you happen to actually hear my talk on the vertical method? No, I did not. Okay. Okay. The, the, the reason why I mentioned it is because you alluded a few times to like pre selling and, and all these different things. Oh, and I oh yeah. I think I did hear about that. I, I listened to your intro. Okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. There's actually a little, okay. I, I thought you heard it, but if for those that are listening, if you haven't heard it, if you go to theverticalmethod.com,、um, you can actually hear this talk where we actually talk a lot on this strategy on how you can skip investor funding by going and getting traction first and just walk you through like how to think about doing that. But I didn't want to take away the limelight from Brett. You sound like an amazing founder, and I'm definitely going to follow、um, your story. What I feel is I feel that Vibes Video. Is not the best that we'll see from you. I feel like you will build a lot of great things, and I'm looking forward just 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 to just seeing what you've done in the short amount of period when you've left Alabama to Silicon Valley. I'm super excited, and I'm really excited that I was one of the first podcasts that you're actually on. So thanks, Brett. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. All right, take care, guys. We'll see you on the next episode.